Psalm 46. Last week we finished a series built around Passion Week. We talked about several things across that week and things we could take from it. And the, the thing we really kind of focused on last week was our purpose through our problem. Accomplishing what God has left us here for. Accomplishing what Jesus saved us for in order that we can glorify Him through the problem that we all battle, which is our flesh. And one of the things we talked about um, was the fact that we all have this flesh, and we all battle this flesh, and we all have to kind of war that spirit and flesh wars going on. We always have to make those decisions. I hope that today, as we talk about this, uh, God is our refuge, that we don't miss the fact that when we're we don't have to be in a battle like a pandemic, or we don't have to be in a, pa- a battle like an economic battle, or you know, problems in our marriage, or problems with our health, or problems with our family, or problems with our job. We don't have to be battling those kind of problems to be in a situation or position where we need to run to God, our refuge. If we're battling that flesh and we're losing that battle, run to Him. Run to God, our refuge. I want to talk about, though, our focus on our current situation, the proper response that we as followers of Christ should have in times like these. Uh, again, we're going to be in Psalm 46, and this was one of the favorite psalms uh, from historical documents we see uh, of Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer. Uh, he actually wrote a song called A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and it was based around and on Psalm 46. He had a famous saying that he was quoted as saying, even in the darkest days of the Reformation, he would look at his trusted friend, his closest companion, Philip Melanchthon, and he would say, let's sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his work. Can I just echo that this morning? Let's sing or let's read. Let's focus on the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his work. It's not in my notes. I didn't really plan on sharing this, but I really kind of get get emotional thinking about all that Jesus did and the blood of Jesus we just sang about. And then I read this, and and it just brought my mind back to a day a few weeks ago where uh, we were in a dark place. We were struggling. Lenny's health was not not good. And and praise God, those of you that have asked and reached out, uh, thank you again for the meals and the, the encouragement. She's doing a lot better. She's feeling a lot better. We're still battling side effects from the medication. Uh, but praise God, her eyes are doing a lot better. But we were in a kind of a dark place, and we had been on this kind of roller coaster where she was in, she was great, and then she was really bad, and then she got better, and then she got some side effects and caused some problems. We didn't know what was going on. And I remember just feeling very weighted down, very heavy, very stressed and strained. And I was in there one night, and I was trying to talk to her, and I was trying to be positive, and I didn't want to be emotional. And so I'm talking to her, and I'm just trying to be encouraging. And April's standing there. And I'm looking at April, and both of us are just on the verge of just a breakdown, to be honest. And, and, I, and I was trying to close the conversation, and I said, I'm going to get a shower. And I, so I walked down the little hallway down to our bedroom, and, and y'all listen to me. It took all I could physically do to walk. I don't know how far it is. 20 feet? 20 feet from the, from the couch where she's laying in pain to the bedroom door to go in. But as I'm walking down that little hallway, I felt almost like my knees were going to buckle, like my legs were getting weak. And I, and I rounded the corner, and I felt this burden, and I felt this heaviness, and I was like, you know, God, help me. Why, why is this happening? Why is this going on? And then I, I thought about something that somebody had told me a few days earlier. They had talked about Job. And, uh, and listen, I want you to make sure you all understand me. That, that was a sweet comment, but I'm not Job. Job had it a lot worse than me, and Job was a lot better guy than me, or he wouldn't have been in that situation. 
You've heard me say it before. I want to be like, I want God to think of me just a little bit less than what he thought of Job. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to say, hey, have you considered my servant Kevin? No, no, still look at Job. But I'll take second to Job. That's fine with me. But I don't want to be the first guy in Satan's roaming around that God says, hey, have you, have you thought about my boy Kevin? No, thank you. But, but that ran through my mind, that, that Job story, that, that, that the enemy was the one that was taking all this stuff from Job. Like, listen, we still know that we have a sovereign God who either causes or allows everything to happen. But in that moment, I'm walking back there, and I turn the corner of the bedroom, and, and I just it just hit me, this wave of, of anger. And I thought, you know what? If this is the enemy,
Number one, the first thing he talks about is that God is our safety. That word refuge means a place or a state of safety from danger or trouble. Uh, it's like an umbrella, but, but better. It's like a storm shelter, but better. It's, it's, it's a bunker. It's, it's somewhere we can go and we can find complete peace. When the battle of life rages, we get in that bunker, which is our God. Imagine that the storms of life are a tornado and God is our storm shelter. Could have used one of those a couple weeks ago. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. The key there is not taking refuge, it's taking refuge in Him. We all need to take refuge. We all have places we run. My dad ran to a bottle. My dad drank when he got stressed. He drank when he got, he drank when he got worried. Uh, he drank when he was sad. He drank when he was happy. That was his refuge. There are people who now are running to a needle. They're running to a pill. They're running to a bad relationship. They're running to uh, pornography. They're, some of them, listen, run into sports. They're running to all kinds of things. And I think that's one of the things that I think God is trying to show us through this quarantine. He's taking away all the stuff that we usually run to, and he's saying, stop running to these fake refuges. Stop running to these fake shelters. Come to me. Run to me. Warren Rusby said this, He shelters us so he can strengthen us to go back to life with its duties and dangers. Remember, we, we've got we've to pause, we've got to pray, and we've got to progress. This is the same concept there that, that, that God is talking about. Uh, he, he shelters us so he can strengthen us to put us back in the game. God is our bench where we can go and sit and we can collect our breath, we can drink a little Gatorade, but it's not, you don't want to be benched. You want to be able to just sit on the bench and rest and then get back in the game. And that's where we got to make sure we understand it. The original audience would have immediately turned their attention. Their minds would have gone straight to the idea of these cities of refuge. These places uh, were safe places for fugitive and in, fugitives in Israel. Uh, the, the Old Testament talks about when somebody would commit manslaughter, they would kill somebody accidentally. The family would want blood revenge, and they would run to these cities of refuge. God was intentional about telling them, hey, build, make cities of refuge, and he spaced them out so that people could get there. And he said, if you get there and you hide out, they can't come in there and get you. Even the family wants blood revenge. They can't do it. So the original audience would have heard this from the psalmist, and even the psalmist himself might have been thinking about these cities of refuge, these places where we can escape. We had a situation in my house uh, a couple weeks ago uh, where we were up and it was late and we were kind of watching the weather, but it was about, I don't know, about 11.30 or 11, no, about 11 o'clock and I told the kids, I said, y'all go ahead and go lay down and we're going we're gonna to go to bed. I think, you know, look, I was looking at the radar and, you know, Junior James fan over here, I thought, ah, that's probably going to fizzle. It won't be that bad here. It looked like it was kind of starting to break up a little bit. I'm going to head to bed. So we go brush our teeth and we kind of get in bed and we get settled and and I'm still sitting there looking at my iPad. I got the radar pulled up, and I'm watching. I'm going, mm, no, that still looks kind of dicey. And then all of a sudden, we started hearing this stuff hit the side of the house. And so I jump up, and I, I go in the, in the, walk the same hallway the other way, walk back in the living room. And as I walk in the living room, I see Tyler do this out of his room. Like, <laughs> he is hitting his window, too. And I say, hey, y'all, come on out. And I look, and when I walk in, you can hear the wind whistling around the front door. That's a lot of wind. I, I put brand new seals on that door when I bought the house five years ago, and, and so I was like, okay, that's, a, that's, that's scary. That's a little rough. And about that time, my phone started vibrating. I looked up, and it said tornado warning. And I had uh, Facebook Live. I think it was uh, I think it was Fox 10 on, 
and, uh, and Jason Smith was saying, you know, if you're over in the Westmobile area around, I think he might have even said Wakefield Subdivision, get in your so I was like, hey, hey, everybody in the hallway, uh, Tyler, go grab the little the little sleeping mat we got in the back bedroom, and you guys get in there, grab your pillows, and sit in the hallway. And so we're, that's what we did. We got the shelter. Why? Because there was a tornado warning. During a tornado warning, I didn't kick the door and go, hey, man, it's blowing out here. Woo-hoo. Now, I know some of y'all would do that, and that's okay. You just, you just go ahead. But for me, I wanted to be somewhere safe. I didn't want to be out in the storm. I wanted to be somewhere as safe and secure as I could be. Especially, I wanted my family to be somewhere safe and secure. The people that are closest to me, the people that are most important to me, I wanted to make sure that they were in a safe place. So they went to our place of refuge, our hallway with no windows. We could kind of have a little buffer. That's what we need to do. When we find ourselves in a storm of life, when we find ourselves in a pandemic, when we find ourselves in a situation where our hours have been cut, our job has gone away, we've been laid off and furloughed, when we have a family member who's deathly ill, when we have a sickness, a problem that we're facing we can't overcome, we have got to learn to run to God, our refuge. The second thing that he talks about there is that God is our strength. Now, it's almost like you could say this. God is our refuge, and God is our strength, and God is a helper who is always found in times of trouble. He's, he's spelling out these three things. So he's our safety, but he's also our strength. Strength is a source of mental or emotional support. I need that strength. With all the stuff that's been going on, I promise you, I have felt that. This, this characteristic of God, this, this passage talking about these three things, have been so real to me over the past couple of months. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not happiness found in monetary uh, things or, or achievements, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The right hand is the hand of authority, the hand of, of strength and power. And that's the hand that, that God is telling the prophet, I will hold you up with. Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Grayson didn't pick these songs out after we wrote the sermon. Grayson had already picked these out. I believe God picked these songs out. Look, look at, He is my victory. This is right here in Exodus 15. Philippians 4 is a passage that most of you are familiar with. Uh, Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, Watch this. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the, here's the problem with this passage. When we put it on a coffee cup or we put it on a, a, you know, a team's uh, motto, we think that that means we can, we can uh, win the game because we can do all things through Christ. That means we think we can you know, uh, overcome whatever adversity. No, what Paul is saying here is I've learned to be in the penthouse and I've learned to be in the outhouse. And I can live and joyfully walk with Jesus anywhere in between those two because I can do it because He gives me strength. When we try to live in our own strength, when we try to work out of our own bank of energy and confidence and endurance, we're going to tap that sucker out every time. We're 
the supplier of my every need, who is the author and finisher of my faith, who is the righteous King of glory. When we write those checks out of the abundance of God, the abundant life given to us to follow Jesus, then we can say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ because He is the one who I'm drawing my strength from. God is telling us in this passage, the psalmist is telling us, run to God. Find our refuge in Him. Run to God and tap into His strength. The reason you're struggling is not because God is insufficient. It's because you're not tapping into the strength that He's provided you. Or you're not running to that refuge. If I had stood out in the front yard in my shorts and t-shirt the other night, I would have not had a good day. I would have been at the very minimum soggy, at the very maximum lifted and carried away. We didn't miss a tornado at my house the other night by more than about 250 yards, the best I can estimate. It would have been stupid for me to walk out the front yard and say, well, here I am. I'm not going to run to God my refuge. I'm not going to look to God for my strength. I'm going to look to me. I'm going to run to me. I'm sufficient. I'm all I need. And if I had done that, I may not be here today. God is telling us now, you are going to get into problems. You're going to need to run to a refuge. You're going to get to places where you can't carry the load. You're going to need my strength. Max Lucado said, the good life begins not when circumstances change, but when our attitude toward them does. Let me read that again. The good life begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitude toward them does. I can tell you that I have been in those situations. When, when I hear the song, we, we sang that song, the first thing we did, uh, Another in the Fire. That speaks to me in a different way now because of what we've been going through than when, than when we first sang it here a few weeks ago. A couple months ago now. Because I've had to understand that, y'all listen, there, there have been times when I've looked at what's been going on and I've just said, all right, well, this is it. This, this is, and, and this, you know, I, I think Jen Doucette is the one I keep seeing, this is where we are, folks. I think she uses that. You know, this is where we are. All right, I'm a televangelist. Welcome, you know. Uh, I cried some tears on this napkin. You know, uh, some of these guys would sell you that and they send it to you for the eternal seed in their ministry. I'm not there yet. I don't think I'll get there, Lord willing. But but I, I get to a point nowadays when I look at what's going on and we start talking about phase one and phase two of the recovery and I go, I don't think that's us. I, I don't know how we're going to take out seats or we're going to separate people. Church, church is not supposed to be uh, a, a sterile kind of a, a an operating room feel. It shouldn't feel like a hospital waiting room. It, it should feel like a family get-together. And so how do you do church under one roof when you can't greet and, and hug and sit close and sing together? If I'm thinking everybody's got the plague, I'm not going to be you know, really focused on my worship. I had to take Randy to get blood drawn the other day, and I told somebody, I said, they treated me like I had the bubonic plague. You know, it's like, oh, whoa, 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 right there, right there. I'm like, I got a mask on. You know, I never thought that having a mask on could bring comfort to a business when you walk into it. I always thought it would be the other way around, but that's where we are, folks. But I, I, I came in, they're like, oh, well, you know, got to do the little rubber, the little rollerball on your head and take your temperature and you got to, you know, sign this paper and you got to wipe the can off and don't touch the table. You know, you stick your fingers, you're almost like you, you expect them to walk behind you with a, like a flamethrower waiting for you to cough. And if you cough, it hose you down. That's how it felt. And so I get to a place sometimes where I'm like, all right, 
Well, this is, this is our world. This is what we're going to have to do from now on. And, and it's really difficult to keep a positive attitude when you start thinking about that. But here's the difference. Go back to this again. The good life begins not when our circumstances change, but when our attitude toward them does. I'm embracing this new normal. I want you to hear me. I'm not embracing it because I like it. Everybody, most everybody in here, the handful that are here, a lot of you at home know I'm a hugger. And, and listen, just so you know, I, I, I'm not trying to hit on anybody. I love my wife. I'm not, I, don't, I ain't going anywhere. I'm staying with her. I'm just a hugger. I'm an affectionate person. You know how hard it is to be a hugger in a quarantine? It's hard. I, I don't know. I, the cat won't hug me. If I try to hug the dogs, they will lick me in the face. I just, I'm a hugger, and now that I've, I've, we've got this exposure and Lady's got this immunocompromised situation, I, I, don't even, I can't even hug them. So, I, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm really am out of my element. But I've decided to embrace it, not, not because I'm not happy because the circumstances are the same. I'm happy because I've changed my perspective about it. I'm starting to think about all the great things that God can do through this time, all the wonderful things that God can do through us not being able to meet. I saw a meme the other day where Satan was saying, I've shut down all your churches, and God says, no, you've actually opened them up in every one of our homes. That's, that's a perspective shift, y'all. That's what we've got to get. We've got to listen. I'm going to be honest. I'm not trying to hurt any feelings. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Just Dad. Moms, daughters, y'all look away. Kids. Young men and fathers, I want you to look at me for just a minute. My job is not to be the primary disciple maker of your wife and kids. It's your job. Now, we, we have made the American church so that we don't have to do our job. We just send them to Sunday school. We send them to Team Kid or Awana. We send them to, to, to Wednesday Night Youth Group. We send them to wherever. I'm going to tell you something. We're not in a send them to anymore. We're in a in a home discipleship program. And you men, us men, we men, we've got to step up. We have got to take more responsibility for being the disciple maker of our children and our wives that we're supposed to be. You wives that are single moms, you're going to have to step up. You've already stepped up in a lot of areas. The next step is, hey, I'm going to have to disciple my kids at home. I can't send them to Kendra. I can't send them to YouTube. I can't send them to Brother Kevin. I've got to disciple my kids at home. If you need help with that, contact the church. Let us know how we can help you. We will do anything in our power to help you do that. But that's where you've got to be because that's our new normal. And when you embrace that, you can change your attitude. You, the good life can begin as soon as you embrace the situation and just change your attitude about it. So God is our safety. He's our strength. But look at the third thing. He's also our support. Our, our safety, our strength, and our support. The word helper there is what's used in a lot of translations. Uh, one, one translation I love says uh, he's a, an ever-present help or a very present help. A helper is someone who makes it easier for someone to do something. They improve a situation or a problem. Uh, in other words, they support someone to allow them to move in a specified direction. But he's not just a help. He's a help that's always found when you need it. What that means is God is already ready to catch me before I even start to fall. Now, think about that for a minute. Uh, I, I know that uh, I hate to tell this story, but it's good gracious. We're, we're up in the, in the uh, conference room the other day. We're all spread out. You know, we're social distancing, but we're kind of meeting the meeting. And, uh, and Donna Lee, Donna, Ms. Donna Rice, our, our small group director, communications director, she walks out, and she's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go get some stuff in my office and heading home. 
I'll see y'all tomorrow, or I'll check in tomorrow. And she leaves, and we're standing there, we're, we're sitting around, we're talking, and all of a sudden, Kendra comes walking in, she says, hey, Donna fell. Donna fell. So we take off running. Me and Grace are like, run, out of the door, down the stairs. We open the door, and there she is. And she has fallen. She slipped and fell out there, and she, she landed flat on her back and knocked the breath out of her. Thank the Lord she was okay. We helped her up. She went home. Everything's good. But, but here's the thing. There's a handrail out there. That handrail, by design, is supposed to be a very present help in times of trouble. But the handrail didn't catch her. Why? Because the handrail is just an inanimate object. God is not inanimate. I want to make sure we're clear on that. God is a handrail who's got a brain and a heart and a mind and, and, and can see in the future. <laughs> That's a pretty cool handrail. If, if, if that handrail had said, hey, Donna, whoa, slow down, you're going to fall, she wouldn't have fell. See, our God is a helper, but he's an ever-present helper. He's a, he's, a, he's a helper that's always there and always ready because he knows before we do when we're going to need it. Isn't that a beautiful thought? That, that if we reach out to grab God, he's already there. He's reached out to grab us. This shows the consistency of God and the availability of God. The consistency of God and the availability of God. He is a helper. He would be great if he was just a helper, but he's not just a helper. He's an ever-present helper. He's an always-there helper. The old song I've got, I serve an on-time God. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. That's exactly what the song is talking about. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Here's the dirty little secret. We're always in times of trouble. Just because you don't feel it or sense it as much in one day or the other, you're always in trouble because you have flesh that's always trying to make bad decisions. Because you have an enemy, an adversary, who's roaming around seeking whom he may destroy. We are always in trouble, and we are always in need of that very present help. The more conscious you are of the presence of God, the more confident you are in the power of God. I don't understand, I don't appreciate God's power unless I know He's here. If you feel far from God, guess who moves? The word trouble is talking about all kinds of trouble. It's talking about tight spots, sticky situations, stressful days, restless nights, loneliness, mourning, loss, hurt, illness, every other kind of trouble you can imagine, and even some that you can't. So let me ask you two questions. Number one, what is it that you're facing right now that you think is bigger than God? What is it that you're facing right now that you think is bigger than God? Here's, I'm going to answer a riddle for you. Nothing. You can think it's bigger than God, and if you want to be wrong, you can just sit over there and be wrong in your wrongness if you think that your problem is bigger than my God. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. That's who we're talking about. The number number two question is, what is it that you think God is unaware of or unconcerned about? Remember, He's not just a helper. He's a very present, an ever-present help in times of trouble. We're always in trouble. When when we sing that song, there is another in the fire, it's because you're going to go in the fire. He's not saying, just in case you ever find yourself in a fire. No, 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 no. You're going in a fire. You're going in the lion's den. You better hope that God is with you in the lion's den. You're going to be a, a crispy critter in the fire and a, and a salty snack in the lion's den. We're all going to go through these trials and tribulations, but we need to know that He is there. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your care on Him. Why? Because He cares about you. Y'all listen, there's a lot of people over my years in ministry that have tried to cast all their cares on me. I can't handle them all. 
I can't handle all of your cares. I want you to tell me what you're worried about. I want you to tell me what you want prayer for. But I can't carry it like God can. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For He Himself has said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? One last quote from, from Max Lucado. He says, The path to peace, I'm sorry, the path to peace is paved with prayer. Because when we go to prayer, we're going to our helper. We're going to that ever-present help, and we're telling him what we need. So God is our safety, God is our support, and God, I'm sorry, safety, strength, and our support. So I want to look at verses 2 and 3. We're going to close with this. You know what it means when a preacher says in closing? Look at verses 2 and 3. I want you to find out what happened. Let's think about this. Look at 2 and 3. What in the world is happening? Here's what's happening. The earth is trembling. The mountains are falling into the sea. And the sea itself is roaring and foaming as the mountains collapse. Oh, now, again, you've got to get, you got to use your imagination. All right? Close your eyes. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast and driving, don't do that. But if you're sitting at home, if you're sitting somewhere where you can close your eyes, Safely, close your eyes and just try to picture what these what these um, calamities are causing. The whole earth is shaking. I've never been in a in a uh, earthquake. I've never I've never been in one, but I've heard it's a terrible thing. Imagine the entire earth quaking, and it's quaking to the point that mountains are actually crumbling and falling into the sea. I'll picture where the psalmist wouldn't have the word tsunami because it wasn't around then, but picture that that's kind of what's coming up. The ocean is roaring and foaming because of these mountains collapsing. Can you get that visual image? Not time to get a picnic together, right? Not time to go hunting. Not time to get your boat out. I mean, it, that's panic mode, right? So what is our response? Look, look at our response. We will not be afraid. My initial response when I close my eyes and imagine the entire earth shaking and mountains actually breaking, fracturing off, and falling into a frothing, foaming, roaring sea is not to go, eh, we'll be all right. I ain't worried. That's not my flesh response. That's not my, my knee-jerk reaction. But my spiritual response, when the power of Christ moves in me and I realize that He is an ever-present help, that He is my refuge and my strength, I say, you know what? Let them fall. Let the earth quake, let the mountains fall, let the seas roar and froth and fall. I don't care because I know who I believe in. I'm, I'm convinced that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. He can do exceedingly and abundantly above everything that I can ask or imagine. So why would I let a shaking earth or a falling mountain or a frothing sea cause me to give up on Him? I'm going to tell you something. Cancer taking my mother-in-law. Cancer taking my father-in-law, alcoholism taking my dad, watching my grandfather die of Parkinson's disease, watching another grandfather have a stroke and, and, and live, not knowing who I was for six more years and then die. I want you to hear me. None of that shakes my faith in God. None of that shakes my trust in Him. My daughter being sick, financial problems, relational issues. I don't care what it is in your life. You can't let it shake your faith in Him because the psalmist says even if the earth quakes, and the mountains fall, and the seas roar, we will not be afraid. Why? There's a therefore. 
in verse 2, there's a therefore. What are you going to do? you got to see what it's there for. Our God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Here's what the psalmist is saying. Because verse 1 is true, I'm going to tell you the answer to these questions in verse 2 and 3. If everything else breaks loose and the enemy is banging at the door and the house is on fire and the winds are blowing, we will not be afraid because our God is our refuge and our strength and He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Because the facts laid out in this verse are true. He's our safety, our strength, our support. Because He's easily found when we need Him. Because He never leaves, He never forsakes. Because shaking mountains cannot shake my God. Because shaking mountains cannot shake my faith in my God. That's why we will say that we will not be afraid. Philippians 4, 4-7 says that, uh, and it's going to skip here, we won't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made to known. Watch this. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. I want to focus just for a second as we, as we wrap up on that last word. There's three of these selahs in this, in this chapter. That word selah is a, a kind of a, a confusing word. The Amplified Bible translates it this way. Pause and calmly think about that. Pause and calmly think about that. Remember we talked about last week, you gotta, you got to pause. Sometimes you just got to sit. You just got to wait upon the Lord. Adam and Eve were made on the sixth day of creation. Has it ever dawned to you that this is the day that God proclaimed that that's supposed to be a day of rest? Maybe he was trying to set a foundation that we're supposed to rest in him before we do anything else. Maybe our problem is that we feel like we can't rest or things will fall apart. Maybe our quote-unquote do mentality, that we've got to be doers all the time, we can't just sit. Maybe that's created a barrier between us and the provider of our help. Help that we desperately need, whether we realize it or not. Matthew 11, 28-30, here's the words of our Savior. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. And then in John 14, 27, he said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You see, God is all these things. He's our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And He's asking you to rest in Him. He's asking me to rest in the fact that He is all these things and more. That when I don't understand what's going to happen tomorrow, that I need to trust it to the God of tomorrow. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change His mind about me tomorrow. He's given His Son for me, and I've confessed my sin and followed Him, and, and I'm good. Let, 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 the, let, let the chips fall where they may. 
had somebody ask the other night about tribulation. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care if we're going to go through it or not. I'm going to sit and find peace in God no matter what goes on around me. I don't have to have a good life to know that I serve a good God. I don't have to have a peaceful life to know that I have peace with God and I can experience the peace of God. I used to say that I, I would rather be, you know, when it comes to, to being in the center of God's will, I would rather be in a rowboat in a hurricane in the middle of the Atlantic, but know that I was in the center of God's will than to be sitting in the White House at the main desk with my feet propped up on the table and think for a second that maybe I was outside the will of God. Christine Kane said this, Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried. But you've actually been planted. My buddy Kyle was telling me yesterday about some, some uh, lima beans he planted. And he had his garden and he put them out there and he told me exactly how he did it. And he, he got them covered up and he put the, put the dirt on the top of them and he watered them and checked on them. And he said he went out there a few days later and he said the, the, the beans were, they were on top of the ground. And he thought, huh. Well, maybe the rain came and it washed the dirt off the beans, and maybe I had to go down and rebury them. And so he got down and started looking at them, and then he realized that underneath that, that, that lima bean is like this. You know, it's got a seam in it, and so that seam is busted open underground, and the, the, it, it sent a root down and started sending the stem up, and that bean was actually lifted up off the ground, and that stalk was in the bean. So a few days later, it kept growing, and it just it just pushed the bean off. And so he took one of them, and he said he just kind of it was a little you know further down, and he eased the little cap, the little bean covering off. And when he eased it off, he said these leaves just started to unfold out from under it. Maybe you're that lima bean today, and maybe through all this stuff that's been going on, maybe you've got other stuff going on that that, that doesn't have anything to do with the pandemic. But whatever it is, maybe your your life is just rough and, and you feel in a dark place and you think, my gosh, I've been buried. Can I just say something? If you'll give your life to Jesus and fully surrender to Him, you haven't been buried, you've been planted. And if you've been planted, you're going to grow. Maybe it just looks like you've been buried. Trust the Lord to know that you have been planted. Put your faith and purpose in Him and ask Him to use you. And I promise you, He will. My prayer is, as we close, I pray that you'll make sure that you have peace with God by placing your faith in Jesus. And then I pray that you will fully rest in the peace of God, knowing that He is sovereign over everything that we're facing. If you don't know Him today, you can email me, Kevin at EmoChurch.org. You can comment on this video. You can DM the church Facebook page and we'll do it and we'll help you. We'll, we'll explain to you what it means to be a follower of Christ and how you can turn from your sin and take up your cross. If you are a follower of Jesus today, maybe you're not discipling your family like you're supposed to. Maybe you're not sharing the gospel like you're supposed to because of your circumstances. Don't wait for your circumstances to change. Change that immediately. Ask God, how can you use me through this? Don't, don't always say, listen, this has been a really rough time for us, for our country, for, for a lot of people. Maybe we should stop asking God to, to stop it and start asking God to make sure that we learn whatever He's trying to teach us through this. However we can help you, we're asking you to come. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this time.
Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we had to worship this amazing thing that made us. God, help us to never forget that you are our refuge and our strength, the ever present help in our situation. And God, no matter what happens around us, in us, and through us, we know that we have put our faith in you and that our eternity is secure. And we can remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, thank you for the time of your word. I pray that you would accomplish great things through it. Thank you.